Well, welcome everyone. My name is Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here. It's so good to see you. I've been looking forward to this all week. I'm so glad that you're with us. If this is your first time here, welcome. I want to encourage you to text this number on the screen. We'd love to communicate with you via text. And also you can stop by one of the welcome tables on either end of the lobby at, uh, right outside after the service. And you can pick up a Starbucks card and get a nice cup of coffee on your way home. Okay, so please take advantage of that. Also, um, if you'd look in, in your program, the rest of you, you take out your communication card. Right now, it'd be a great time to fill that out. Maybe you have some prayer requests you'd like us to pray for you. Put that in the offering basket at the very end of the service. And the beautiful thing is someone on staff will pray for you this week. We'll keep your information confidential, but someone will pray specifically for you. So please take advantage of that. Also, you want to make sure you're looking through your program. There's so many things uh, going on around here. I work here, and I can't keep up with all of it. There's just so much stuff. Uh, some special classes, I'll highlight one later in the message, but some things you want to check out there, and you can sign up for those on your communication card as well, or you can go online and sign up. And uh, so, how many of you guys are excited about the Super Bowl today? Yeah. Just a little bit, huh? Just a little? It's kind of lukewarm. I was a little more excited in the last service. I know, I know. The, the closest my team's going to get to the Super Bowl is when I go to, up to the turn on the TV. That's the closest my team's going to get to the Super Bowl for a while. But, but, you know, I'm excited about the game today. I love sports. Looks like a great matchup. I hope the Patriots lose. Um, you know, I'm just totally, totally into, uh, totally into all those sporting events and stuff. But, and I get really kind of excited about that and hanging out with some other people and watching a great game. But you know what I'm even more excited about? The church. I love the church, and we're kicking off a new series today called I Love My Church, and uh, I'm so excited to share with you today about loving the church, and so before we continue any further, I want us to stop and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love that pursues us. God, we thank you for your love that didn't give up on us, that paid a price that we can know you, and God, we thank you for all your wonderful gifts that so often we take for granted. Thank you for the rain, God. Thank you for for music that helps us to worship you and express our joy and our love for you and helps capture those emotional moments. And Lord, I want to thank you for the church. Church has made such a difference in my life and in the world, God. And I hope you'll help us to understand how passionate you are about the church and what our responsibilities are and how it will bless us and grow us. And God, just use us and speak to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, I hope you'll take your outline out and follow along and take some notes. But the first thing I want you to do, I'll give you a moment to have a little fun. I want you to write down four or five things that you love. Things you love to do, people you love, activities, whatever it is, whatever comes to mind. Just take a moment right there on your outline. Write four or five things down that you love. What are you passionate about? What are you excited about? What do you look forward to? So jot a few things down there and... And then I want to give you a chance to like, turn to one of your na- somebody around you. If you don't know them, that's okay. Just share with somebody a couple of things on your list. What are a couple of things? It's okay to talk in church. What are a couple of things that you, you're really excited about that you love? Share with someone around you just for a moment. Well, sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun. I want to, I want to take a moment and share a few things with you that I love. So will get a little personal with you and... You know, while I'm watching all you guys, I remembered one thing I forgot on my list. I love food. I forgot that one. But, you know, the first thing, I have some pictures I'd like to share with you. First thing, I love my wife. I love my wife, Jennifer. And uh, next month, 
next month we celebrate 20 years of marriage together. So, um, you know, I've been happily married 19 years. She's been happily married 16. So we're doing pretty good. I, I don't know who that guy is with my wife. He's in big trouble. I don't recognize that guy. Next thing, I really love my three boys. Really love my three boys. One of my favorite pictures of these guys taken from a couple years ago. Uh, great kids. Uh, the cat, you know, he's okay, but I love the boys. Love those guys. Uh, next is, you know, friends and sports. I love combining those two things together. A couple years ago, I got to go to a Niners game with my good friend Jake Root. And uh, so I loved hanging out with Jake. I love him. And you know what was even, made it even better is we had free tickets. I love free stuff. So that was awesome. <laughs> now, uh, let's see our next picture. Oh, I don't know how this one got in there. Hey, Pastor Paul photobombed my message. Hey, you stuck that in there. I can't believe you would do that. <laughs> Truth is, I do love Paul. He's a great friend. I love my pastor. And uh, we like to have fun together. Love doing church together. It's one of my favorite pictures of Paul. He looks pretty good there with a little Mary Kay work over there. Okay, so. So I really love doing church together. One of the things I love most about church is I love seeing life change. I love seeing God work in people's lives. And I love it when we celebrate baptisms. And uh, it just gets me excited to see someone else is saying they're in. They've received Christ. And the next picture is just such a great representation of our church because the church is not a building, but it's the people. And these are our leaders, our, our group of leaders right now. It's a big group, very diverse group of people. I love these guys. They sacrifice and serve so that, to help make this church great. And I love that we're creating space for more people to come. It's not the building that I love, but I love what the building is going to provide for a space for more people to come and fall in love with Jesus. And I want you to know that I love Crossroads. I'm passionate about the church. I've devoted my life to serving Christ through his church. I've sacrificed a lot. I've given up a lot for the church. And I love the worldwide church. You know, at Crossroads, we're not just about our local church, us, but we care about the church around us and around the world. In fact, we celebrate when churches around us like Resonate and Bridges and Harbor Light and Inroads and Fremont Community Church and Prince of Peace. We celebrate when other churches have big wins, when they're moving uh, forward for Christ, doing good things. We celebrate with them. They're not our competition. We're all part of the church, the worldwide church of God. Now, you know, sometimes the church has gotten a, a bad rap. Some people just don't like the church. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's deserved in some cases, but, you know, I'm afraid sometimes the, the actions of a few have poisoned people's attitude, you know, towards all the churches. Or maybe you've been disappointed and let down at, in a church somewhere along the way, and maybe you had some unrealistic expectations, and you got a little disappointed and hard about the church, and now you're coming back. I mean, I hear people say things like this, I, I love Jesus, but I just don't care for the church. Or I don't need the hypocrites in the church to help me follow God. Or my relationship with God is private. I don't need other people to tell me how to worship my God. And maybe you've talked to somebody like that. They've just been, they don't care for the church. And it makes me so sad because the church has such a vital role to play in our life and in the world. You know, churches do do stupid things sometimes. It reminds me of this pastor. He, he called for a church meeting to vote on the new chandelier they were going to hang in the lobby. And, uh, you know, chandeliers aren't such a big thing here in California. But in the South, people love to have those big hanging lights. And this church was going to put a chandelier in. And they called this meeting. And one of the old members, he stood up in the back. And he said, Pastor, I want you to know I'm against this chandelier for two reasons. First, no one in our church knows how to play a chandelier. And second, what we really need in this church is more light. Well, I'm here today to hopefully shed some more light on why we should love the church. Why, why we should love the church. And before I share with my personal reasons why I love the church... I want you to hear from some other people why they love the church. So watch this video with me.
What is church? Is it a building? With some pews? A piano? And stained glass? Or is it something more? 2,000 years ago, the church was born. It wasn't made up of the famous, the rich, or the powerful. It was made up of everyday people who passionately believed in the message of Jesus. It was the beginning of a revolution of love and freedom that would change the world forever. In 369 AD, the church built the first hospital as a place to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Today, the church is the largest single provider of healthcare in history. The church was the first to stand up for the rights of children, creating the first and largest orphanage system in the world. 100 out of the first 110 universities in America were founded as Christian institutions. Places like Harvard, Dartmouth, Yale, and Princeton. Much of the world's greatest art, architecture, literature, and music has been shaped by the church. But the impact of the church isn't just ancient history. Today, the church is stronger than ever and continues to impact every corner of the world. Over 300,000 churches in America and almost 5 million churches around the world stand ready to be instruments of change, to do what governments could never do. Every day, the church brings food and fresh water to millions of people across the world. It has a renewed passion to help widows and orphans and fights to free slaves in every part of the world. It stands ready as a first responder on the scene to provide relief for victims of disaster. The ripple of Jesus' impact can be clearly seen and felt in the church today. And it's made up of people like me and you. Today, you didn't just come to a building. You came to a revolution 2,000 years in the making. The world is facing as much trouble as ever. But we are not afraid. We were created for such a time as this. We will continue to do what we've always done. Proclaim the message of Jesus. To help a world that needs him so desperately. Welcome. 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 Welcome to church. great reasons to love the church, but I want to share with you from my life why I love the church, why I've learned to love the church. Number one on your outline, the church is my family. The church is my family. You know, in today's modern world, many of the benefits of belonging to a church can be had apart from the church family. I mean, you can be out in the world, just a a click of a mouse or an app on your phone. You can listen to great teaching and great sermons. Um, you can fellowship with other believers outside of the church family. You can share your faith without attending church. You can meet with others in your community or online. But you know what? You miss what the family has to offer. You're kind of disconnected. And the Bible says this, you are members of God's family. You're members of God's family. Will you circle that word family? I'm going to ask you to circle some words in this section of how do we function as a family? What does it look like to be a family? You know, we all have biological families, but, you know, how, how do we get into the church family? How do we wind up in this family of believers, this group of believers? Well, you know, it's very simple. It starts when you come to a place in your life, you recognize that you've sinned, you've blown it, you've, you've hurt God, you've hurt others, you've hurt yourself, you made some choices that were selfish, that um, damaged and broke your, destroyed your relationship with God, affect your relationships with others. And you come to a place in your life where you recognize, I'm separated from God, and there's nothing I can do to make it right. And then someone tells you about Jesus. And you recognize that Jesus, he's God, but he, he became man. Somehow Jesus existed as God and man. He came down to this earth to live a perfect, sinless life, to share God's love with us, and to take my place for my sins, to take my punishment that I deserve. He died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven, that I could be brought back into a relationship with God, that I could be restored into God's family. And when you, when you accept Christ, when you receive Christ, when you commit to begin to follow him, the Bible says you're like a spiritual baby. 
You're a spiritual baby. And just like a human baby, every baby needs a place to be loved and nurtured and cared for. Spiritual babies need a family to love and nurture and care for them. We need each other. And the church helps us to grow up. And, and you know, we need that place where we feel secure and welcomed and loved. Where there's people that, that, that share common values that will fight with us and for us. It's kind of like, um, if you think about like, how the church works. I, I lived in South Korea for two years doing mission work with the Baptist uh, missions. And I worked with college students. And I didn't see many Americans where I lived. Sometimes, sometimes I'd go days Sometimes a few weeks without seeing anybody else who was lacking pigment like me. Anybody else who was pigment challenged. I mean, I would miss connecting. I love living there. I love the food, love the people, love trying to share life with them. But, but you know, this, you, you miss some things about your home, about your family. You miss some things about your culture. And sometimes I'd be out and I'd spot somebody across the way in the crowd who looked like me. And I'd say, man, oh, who is that? What are they doing here? And you want to, and you start talking to total strangers just because, you know, you miss that that, that sense of family, of belonging that you get from your culture. And we talk, I talk to anybody, just go and talk to them and find out about them. And it's kind of like that. I've experienced that in my life when I travel, whether it's for work or vacation. You're traveling, you're away from home, and you meet someone else who's a follower of Christ, and you have this connection. You share some values. You share some beliefs. You feel like family. I visited churches in many different countries around the world, and you can walk through those doors, and you, even though you can't understand that every, everything that they're saying, you feel like you're home. That's what a family's for. I know around the world, people come from every, every, every nation, language. There's churches all over the world. And here in Fremont, it's just such a beautiful place because we have people from so many different backgrounds. And what I love about our church is when we are adopted into God's family, God brings us all together. And you might have noticed, you know, on your program or around the campus, you might have seen some, some new logo design around. Maybe you've been wondering about that. We've been rebranding. We felt like it was the right time as we're becoming one church with two campuses. And the Hayward campus is away from the hills. And it's the time to make all their new banners and publicity and put new signs on the building. We thought, let's step back and kind of rethink our logo right now and, and come together as a church. And so we came up with this design where you see it's like these different paths. It represents different paths, how people come to know Jesus, how people come to God through Christ, come from different walks of life and different backgrounds. And as we come together, it's it's like we come together from these different paths and we become one. We join together. We unite together as the church, as the family, as the body of Christ. And when you join together, it makes you stronger. It's harder to pull you apart. You can stand and endure many things. And one of the things I love in this image is if you look carefully in the center, there's a couple little openings for people to enter and come in and be a part of this family, to join the family of God. It's inclusive for anyone who loves Christ and opens up their life to him. And so I I love the church and I love how God brings us together and how we're family. And here's what a family's designed to do. There's so many instructions in the New Testament of how we're to function as God's family. First, Jesus told us this, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. You circle that word love. Man, Jesus loved people with an unconditional love. He accepted people where they were. He, he laid down his life for them. He loves people. And that's what it means. That's what God intended for the family to be, a place of love. And, and then the, there's so many expressions of how we're to love each other. Paul says this in Colossians, let the word of Christ, God's word, the Bible, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Can you circle those words, teaching and admonishing? One of the ways that we love others is we, we invest of ourselves. We help teach and admonish and instruct others. Now, I was a little 
I, I noticed that um, last couple of services, most people didn't know what admonish means. You know what admonish means? It's like a, a pretty strong uh, correction or rebuke. It's, it's like you think about in a family when you're raising your kids and sometimes they're going off on the wrong, they're going off on the wrong road and you have to bring them back or push them back, right? You have to admonish them a little bit. We need that to be healthy, to be whole. We need that to protect us. And God's put us in a church where people teach us how to do life, how to love others, how to love God, and they admonish us to get back on the right path. You see this picture on the screen? This is, uh, this is one of my treasures. I have this painting up in my office. Not done by anybody famous. It's not like a highly skilled painting. But you know, that, that building there, that's the first place where I met with God's people. When I was about a week old, my parents took me to church. And that was my first church. I went to church there for my first five or six years. That's where I began to experience God's love. That building used to be a bar, and my father was sent out from his church. They planted this church there and eventually built a building and grew. Well, that was my family. That was my family. And, you know, every week, every week I would show up to that church, and people would love me and pinch my cheeks and all that stuff. But they would also, they would also love me. I'd, I'd go to the nursery, and there were people there that would love me and change my diaper and give me snacks, and they loved me. And as I got a little older, they began to teach me Bible lessons every week. When I was just a little boy, two, three, four years old, they began to teach me. And I'd come back on Sunday night and have another class, and they would teach me again. And not only that, I would go to the worship service with my mom. My dad would be busy working there, speaking or whatever, and I'd go to the service, and my mom would, you know, do her best to help me to learn and sit through the service, bribe me with candy and coloring books. But occasionally, I didn't listen to my mom, and she had to take me out for a little admonishment. You know what I mean? So I had to go get admonished trying to teach me how to behave, how to do us right. See what I'm saying? And we need that to be healthy, to grow up. We need people to guide us. You know, God's given us a beautiful thing in the church. We don't have to figure out how, how, how everything works and what the Bible all means for ourselves. I mean, God wants us to get into his word and read it, and he speaks to us, but we have some leaders. We have some other people around us to help teach us. We get into small groups. We, we share with each other. We, we, we admonish each other when we're getting off track, and we need that. It's a gift from God to give us spiritual leaders. Sometimes we don't like having somebody to admonish us, but you know we need it. One of my kids was on a track team recently, you know, wanted to get faster and run and get his personal time. And so they go out to track practice and they're, they're running, but you know, sometimes you get tired and you kind of start dogging it a little bit, you slow down. Well, the coach starts admonishing the kids, hey, you, get moving, get your butt in gear, come on, come on, Petty, get up moving. And they were like, oh, he said, Dad, I think this coach is kind of mean. He doesn't like me. I go, no, no, son, he's working for your good. He's trying to help you to get better. He's, in, he's encouraging you and, and calling you on it. When you're, when you're getting lazy, he's helping you to, to accomplish your goals. And in the church, if, if we're a follower of Christ, we want to become more like Christ, and we need people to teach us and admonish us. Another way that we love each other is to, the Bible says, accept one another as Christ accepted you. Can you circle that word accepted? Man, Christ accepted us, and we extend that love to others. And, you know, at Crossroads, we say we want everybody to walk through those doors to feel wanted and loved by God. We want them to feel accepted. And we're all unique. I know many of you, some of you are more unique than others, but we accept each other, right, for who we are. It's a place where you can be accepted and affirmed and encouraged. And that's another thing Jesus said, encourage one another. Circle the word encourage. We all need some encouragement to stay faithful, to stay true to our commitments. We all need some encouragement when we get discouraged, when life starts beating us down, when we feel like giving up 
or turning away from our faith. You know, the church has encouraged me to take a risk and step out and use my gifts when I thought, well, what do I have to offer? What could I really do? There were people who encouraged me. We all need that encouragement. Another thing we do is circle this next word in this verse, share each other's burdens. You circle the word burdens. Anybody here today have any burdens? Just a few of us? Come on. That's all? That was a pretty good church family. I got some burdens. I got some struggles. I got some challenges. And man, it means so much to me to know that I don't have to bear those alone. It means so much to me to know that there's other people who will stand by me, who care, who will pray with me, who love me, who will give me advice, there's pe- that people will share that. You know, I've had some encouragement. When, when I walk through a painful uh, divorce, there are people there to help bear my burdens. When, uh, when we had little kids... People brought us food and meals. They helped bear that burden because, man, we were overwhelmed. And then as, as they got both turned into toddlers and became so active and we just didn't even have the money or the time or the, the babysitters to get out. There were people in the church who came over and watched my kids for free so me and my wife could go out and I could make sure I still knew her name so we could go out. <laughs> people shared that burden. And you, it's why it's so important to get into a small group and a life group where people know you. They, they know what you're struggling with. They know what you're going through, and they can stand with you. You know, while I was typing my message this week, I kept misspelling one word. I kept misspelling this word. How would you pronounce that phonetically? Crutch. They look like crutch. I mean, to me, I just say, well, why do I keep writing crutch? What's wrong with my fingers and my head? So anyway, uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, the, your faith, your church, your, your Jesus is just a crutch. You know what? They're right. I need a crutch. I need a crutch. And I need two crutches. One crutch is the church and the other crutch is Jesus. And man, they're helping me get through life and become who God made me to be. They stand by me and they encourage me and they help me to keep going. I can't do it by myself. And you know what? God's word says you weren't designed to do it by yourself. We need each other. And that's why I love the church. God gave us this family, this family to do life together. See, it's so exciting to me because I don't have to do it alone. And I have people to encourage me and to help me to be my best and to help me to grow. See, it's so beautiful to me, this statement, the church is for me, but it's not just about me. The church is for me, but it's not just about me. See, the church, I'm part of this family, and it raises me and trains me in the way I should go. And then it helps me to be all that I can be for others, for the sake of others. And I'm just going to just take a short moment here and teach and admonish here for just a minute. You know, it's funny, last week, Pastor Cal, he said his prayer for the church is that we would have courage to stand up for the truth in the world. Well, I want to tell you that you cannot fulfill God's plan for your life apart from his family, the church. It's just not, it's not possible. There's too many commandments, too many one another's, too many things God commanded us to do for each other. You can't fulfill God's purpose for your life apart from the church. God didn't design it that way. And when you come to Christ, he wants to put you in a church family. We need each other. The more time we spend together, the more we become like Christ. And it's not just about us, but, but if you isolate yourself from the church, you're robbing the church of your gifts, your abilities, of your story of how God's worked in your life. So I love the church. I love what it's done for me. Very selfishly, I love what it's done for me. But it's not just about me. It's about the world. And that's number two. Christ's body is the hope for a hopeless world. It's a hope for a hopeless world. Let's just take a little informal poll here. I want everybody to vote once, okay? When you sit back and you look at the world around you today, how many of you think the world is in pretty good shape, that things are looking pretty rosy? Let me see some hands. 
All right, I've seen like two hands all weekend. Oh, three. I've seen three. Okay. How many of you think, oh, if I look at the world, things are, you know, they're kind of bad, kind of good. They're okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a few more. How many of you, th- you look at the world and you think, oh my gosh, look at all these problems. Who, how are we going to deal with this and this and that? How many of you just think, man, this world is a mess? Okay, this is the most optimistic service so far. Most of them are like, everybody's like, man, this place is a mess. And as Fred said earlier, we don't have to live in fear. God's commissioned us. He's given us this message of hope. Jesus is the hope. We're his body. And he's given us this message to share. See, it just looks, to me, it feels like the world's falling apart across the board. Now, where are you going to go for hope? How are you going to fix things? Are we going to rely on the government to fix all our problems, change people's hearts? Are we going to rely on a politician or a political party or a new program or a new education method? What's going to fix our problems? You know, ultimately, the only thing that's going to fix our problem, it all starts in our hearts. It all starts in our soul, our sin-filled hearts that separate us from God, that cause damage to, in our relationships. And Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is the only answer for that. And he commissioned the church to be about sharing that. See, the Bible also says the church is like a body. In Ephesians 4, it says he makes the whole body fit perfectly together. I kind of think of the logo again. As we all come together, we fit perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Can you underline that phrase, each part does its own special work? Each part is critical to the function and health of the body. Each part matters. There's no insignificant part Some parts are more visible than others, but every part is important. Let me put it like this. In my home, the most important light is not the big light in the family room or the light in the hallway or the light in the dining room. You know what the most important light is? It's the little night light we leave on at night so I don't stub my toe if I have to get up and then I say ungodly things in the middle of the night. It's that little light. Very important. Every ministry matters. God created you on purpose. And when he adopts you into his family, he puts you into a church body on purpose, a church family to do your part. What happens when one part of your body fails to function? You get sick, right? I can't see your liver. But what if your liver says, you know what? I'm going to take it easy for a while. I've been serving a long time. I don't really like your body, the rest of you anyway. I'm just going to do my own thing. It's, it's my time. And it kind of takes a month off. You're going to get sick, right? You're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in serious trouble. You know, um, in America today, between 4,000 and 7,000 churches close their doors every year because some of the parts aren't working. Some of the parts aren't saying, man, I'm in. I'm taking my responsibility. I, I love God's family, and I'm going to do what God made me to do and what he called me to do. And people sort of stop functioning, and churches wither and die. It's not God's plan for the church. Look what it says in Acts. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace, and it was being built up. It was healthy. It was growing. And look what it says. It multiplied. And when the church is healthy, it produces other believers, other people come into the family. We have new little babies, and we start new campuses, and we start new churches, and we send out missionaries. It's beautiful. That's how God designed it. A healthy church, everyone does his part. The family grows. And here's the message that we are commissioned to share from Acts. Jesus is the only one who can save people. No one else in the world is able to save us. There's nobody else who's ever come, lived on this planet, who lived a perfect, sinless life and died on the cross or died in any other way for you and for me. No one else sacrificed their life so that we could be forgiven. 
Jesus is the only one who could take our place because he was without sin and he died for us. And that's the message God's given us for this broken, hopeless world. That's why the church exists. That's why God didn't just take you to heaven when you were adopted into his family. He wants to grow you and use you to impact this world. C.S. Lewis said this, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christs. You know, Christian literally means little Christ. And it was kind of an insult that they would give to Christians back in the biblical time. Oh, they're just little Christ. Make fun of them. That's the mission of the church, to draw people into Christ, to make them little Christ. If they're not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. Jesus said he came to this earth to seek and to save those who are lost, those who are separated from God. And that's why he established the church. And God does everything he does for a purpose, for a reason. Anything he makes, anything he creates, it has a purpose or reason. And here's the commission. Here's the reason that Jesus commissioned the church. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What's a disciple? Disciple is basically a follower, a devoted student, someone who's committed to learning from someone and becoming like them. Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. Literally says all ethnics, ethnos, all ethnic groups, all languages, all people around the world. Jesus said, I want everybody that will receive my love to come into my family. And he says, when they open up their hearts to me, then you baptize them. You baptize them. It's like your initiation in the family. You're declaring your faith. And some of you, you've received Christ, but you haven't taken that step to get baptized. And I want to let you know, in a few weeks, we have a baptism service on March 11th and 12th. And maybe it's time for you to get baptized. I encourage you to write baptism on your communication card. You know, we have some people in our church, they said it's not enough that we're just trying to share Christ with people here in Fremont. We see a big need in a part of Hayward, and they're committed their time and their energy. In fact, this morning, they're up in Hayward loading and unloading. They're going to have to set up church every week everything. They have to set it up and tear it down. They're up there right now doing dry runs. They're, they're pulling everything out, setting it up, seeing how it's all going to work. They're going to put it away, and then they're going to take it all out again for practice and do it again. And they're up there serving because they believe that that's their mission, to help spread this hope with a hopeless world. In fact, I want you to hear from them right now. Watch this video with me. Hey, Crossroads Church. I'm Cal, and we're out here at Hayward at the Mount Eden High School And this is our Hayward campus location. And I want to introduce you to a a few key people as we put our gear in our own container today for a March 5 startup of our campus as Crossroads becomes one church in two locations. This is Pete Weston. He is our setup and teardown director and was in charge of all that we did today. So say hello. Hi, Crossroads. How are you doing today? Uh, Today's just an amazing day, just a huge blessing day. And... uh, I'm just really excited what God has in plan for me, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Amen. And so another person is on our staff now. The newest person on our staff is our worship leader. You, you may know him. His, this is Will. He's led worship at Crossroads Fremont before, but now he's our new campus worship leader here at Hayward. So say hello. Hey, Crossroads. just want to say I'm so excited to see what God's going to do right here in Hayward in 2017. Um, there's going to be a lot done here in this community, and we're going to need some help musically. If you know any instrumentalists or if you know any vocalists, we would love to make contact with them because we need help here, and it's all going to be for God. It's going to be great. Amen. Hey, guys, God bless you. Keep praying. Listen, if you want to be a part of our launch, 
a part of what God's doing, a part of I love my church in Hayward. You see that God is expanding his church. He's starting with us right here locally, and we're going globally as well in many, many things to come. Love you. God bless you. Have a great weekend. pretty exciting if you ask me and there's no small part i mean just even setting up is so important because if no if they don't set up there's nowhere for people to sit there's nowhere for people to be able to hear there's no one nothing for the kids to do or no one to you know no activities nothing you have to set up they have to do everything is so important now i don't notice if you notice in the in the video uh i know we're in church but maybe you felt a little envy did anybody notice they all had new cool t-shirts and some of you have been asking for t-shirts well i have good news for you Next week, if you bring, we're going to have t-shirts for you. We're asking you for a $5 donation per shirt. They cost more than that, but you can get a shirt and you can wear it proudly and you can declare that you love your church to our community and you'll have some opportunities to wear them at some activities that we do together as a church as well. So real quickly, talking about why we should love the church and why the church is so important, but what does that look like to love the church? Well, Jesus gave us a, a glimpse of how he loves the church and what, what we should do for the church. And it's a great uh, advice for husbands and wives. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Can you underline that phrase, love the church and gave himself up for her? See, the kind of love that Jesus calls us to, it's not just a warm, emotional feeling, but it, we take action. We take action. And Jesus sacrificed. He gave of himself. He was tortured, mocked, ridiculed, condemned, died on the cross so that he could make us, the church, holy and blameless, that we could be forgiven of our sins. And here's why it's so bad when it hurts me so much when someone says they don't like the church. You know, can you imagine if someone called me up and they said, hey, Dwayne, I'm having a dinner party, and, and you're a pretty cool guy. Believe it or not, people have said that to me before. You're a pretty cool guy. I'd love to invite you over to hang out with me and my family, but we, please don't bring your wife, Jennifer. We don't really like her so much. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, we're like a package deal, right? I love my wife. I sacrifice for her. She, she puts up with me. We, we're a team. And how, how does, do you think Jesus feels when we say, oh, Jesus, I love you, but man, I really don't like your church. <laughs> I really don't like your wife. I really don't like your bride. I really don't like your family. It's, it, it hurts him. He made us for each other. And so to love the church, here's what it takes. When I look at the life of Jesus, there's two key things. First is devotion to the church. Devotion. You've got to commit. You've got to show up. Half the battle is just getting there. And so many good things pull us away from what's best. So many good things, uh, good activities, great opportunities, they pull us away from what's best. Maybe you heard about Ted. He went to the football game, and the first quarter was almost over before his friend showed up. And Ted was so frustrated with his friend, he said, where have you been? And his friend said, well, I had to toss a coin to decide between going to church and coming to the game. Well, his friend said, how long could that have taken you? Ted said, well, I had to toss it 14 times. You know, sometimes things pull us away, Right? I mean, it's not that funny, but it's, it's sad. It's really sad sometimes where people allow other things to, to become more important to them than what Jesus died for and what Jesus did for us to bring us into the church. And I want you to look at this quote from Pastor Rick Warren. He said, The temptation to drift away from a church family is predictably the first step to poor choices, stupid sins, and needless pain. 
I'm just going to tell you guys, I've been doing ministry for 32 years, paid vocational pastoral ministry for 32 years. Yeah, I started ministry when I was eight years old, and I've been doing this 32 years. And I just want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. I've seen a lot of people drift away from church. Some of you are going to be tempted to drift away from church. I've never run into anybody who drifted away from the church six months later, 12 months later, and they said, my life is so much better now that I don't go to church. Almost every time, their life is a bigger mess than it was when they left. Their priorities are wrong. Their relationships are screwed up. Their kids are struggling. And what they modeled for their family is that something else is more important than following Christ, obeying him, and being a part of his family. It's not always convenient to show up. It's not always comfortable, but it's what God calls us to do, and it's what's for our best. And I've never run into anybody whose life was better because they drifted away. You, I, you probably haven't either. When they drift away, they tend to go down a dark path. And I'll say this too. God created you to have a relationship with him. We have that relationship through Christ. God created you for a church family. And you are never fully alive until you know Christ and until you start living for him. And you cannot live for him fully apart from the church. It takes devotion. It takes commitment. It takes sacrifice. It takes showing up when you don't feel like it. It takes devotion. And the second thing is it takes sacrificial service. It takes sacrificial service. What happens when you don't use your muscles, when you don't use part of your body, you don't exercise for a while? You get weaker, you get flabby, and you have less energy. The truth is, you go exercise, you feel a little tired afterwards, but it actually gives you more energy, it makes your body more healthy. Well, as a follower of Christ, when you sit back and you don't exercise and you don't perform what God created you to do as part of the body, you kind of atrophy. And you get lethargic and you get lazy, and pretty soon you're going, man, church is just not... I don't know, why do I go to church? It's not that exciting anymore because you're not in the game. Look what, I love what Rick Warren said about this. He said, people get lethargic because they don't have a role and a responsibility at your church. You know, God has a role for you somewhere in this church, somewhere in this community, and you've got to find it and you've got to serve and you've got to do what he made you to do. 2,000 years ago, Paul said this, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. Can you circle that word responsibility? If you're a child of God, if you belong to God's family, you have some responsibilities. It's not just show up and take, but God created you to give, to to give back. And just like Paul, God has commissioned you to serve. Now, we all have different roles, different purposes. We're not all created to to share the message. Some of us are created to share with children or teens or students. Some of us are created to help out on the welcome team or the sight and sound team or the worship team. Some of us help the poor out in the community. But God made you to do something. And you have to show up even when it's not convenient. It's like in my family when, when we have a meal, you know, we don't just eat and run. Everybody has a part. Someone cooks. Using my wife, that's better for all of us, she cooks. But we all have a part. Someone sets the table. Someone clears off the table and loads the dishwasher. Someone washes the pots and pans. Someone puts it all away. We don't just eat and run. We all have a responsibility. And I want to give you a real practical step you can do to help uh, this body. On February 25th, we're asking everyone who, who's part of this church to show up here in Fremont or Hayward. And we're going to hang door hangers. 
And it's Saturday morning, it'll take you like an hour and a half, maybe two hours max to get there and get home and just go, we'll pair you up with somebody. You don't have to knock on anybody's door, you're just leaving an invite. And you say, well, what's, who looks at an invite on their door? I want to tell you, a few years ago, we left an invite on one of my neighbor's doors, and this couple showed up, the wife wasn't a Christian, she started attending church, she opened up her life and received Christ, and she was baptized here, because she got a door hanger. And you say, well, right away, I know some of you are looking at, oh man, that's a Saturday, so I worked all week. Are you kidding? You're asking me to come on Saturday, wear my blue shirt, and go around, hang some door. That's just not going to work for me. It's not convenient. Well, most of you could work that into your schedule if you really had your priorities, right? I'm just being honest. Some of you might have something that keeps you from doing it. Then we'll have some bundles you can take and do your street later. But I'm just challenging you as a church. Let's all show up. And invite our community to come to our next series we're going to be kicking off in March. We're going to be kicking off a great series called How to Neighbor. And we want to invite our neighbors to come and be a part of this church family. So if you do that with us, that would mean so much to us and it would mean so much to Christ. See, the purpose of the church matters too much to be half-hearted. You're only going to get out of it what you put into it. I want to challenge you. Devote yourself. Devote yourself to God's word. You know, we have a class coming up in, in a few weeks called Understanding the Bible. It'll help you to, to get into God's Word. We, we have small groups you can get into where you get devoted and connected with some other people. And some people that will look out for you so that you don't quit, that you stay involved. But we need each other. We need each other so desperately. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank, thank you so much for the church, God. I personally just thank you for what the church has done for me because my life would be a total mess without the church and people you put in my life to love me, encourage me, admonish me, teach me, guide me, believe in me, bear my, bear my burdens. God, it's, it's just fantastic how your family works when it's healthy and everybody's doing their part. And God, we look in this world and we all complain about how bad things are. Well, God, you've called us to be a part of making a difference. And so God, stir up our hearts. Get us off our spiritual butts. Help us to get moving, get doing what you've created us to do, to be in the body, be in the family, owning up our responsibilities. God, because that's when life gets exciting, when we really experience you, when we're following you in obedience and sacrificing. That's when we see you at work and see you changing lives and making a difference. God, use us to give hope to a hopeless world. In Christ's name we pray, amen.